Good morning, and a very warm welcome to all of you. It's good to see you here this morning, especially welcome to the visitors who are here. It's good to have you with us. We hope you enjoy your time with us here this morning. I've got a a few notices. Um, First of all, uh, next Sunday, uh, after the service in the morning at Richard and Alison Tisdall's, there is a uh, barbecue, particularly for the Youth Junior Church uh, and their helpers. I think Alison's going to be going around with more invitations, is that right? So um, if you'd like to come along, do get an invitation, and more details are on there. Secondly, um, Becky handed me this this morning. September's the time when things are beginning again, and we have little fishes and baby talks starting over the next week, week and a half. If you would like to help out, if you feel there's something missing in your life right now, and that is really helping out with young people, those under the age of five, or perhaps those under the age of 18 months, and you are free on Monday, sort of from about 12 till 3-ish, or um, on a Thursday morning from about 10 till half 12, 1 o'clock, and you'd love to help, then there is a list. Please speak to Becky and she can tell you more about that. Next Sunday morning, we have uh, another slightly different service. Next weekend is the Jazz Festival in Pershaw, and we've been approached and asked if we would hold a Jazz Festival service here. Um, So next Sunday morning we're doing that and we've got the Antique Six Jazz Band who are going to be coming along and playing a number of these spirituals. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. Um, We are going to do it as a kind of songs of praise service. So there will be some interviews, some testimonies going on about what God's been doing in people's lives. So if you're interested or you feel you've particularly got a testimony that would be good to share, please speak to me after the service. And the third thing is to say that also in two weeks' time we have another baptismal service. So if you've been thinking about baptism and you would like to be baptised, please speak to me after the service um, and take the opportunity uh, of being baptised. And we'll say more about that again a little bit later on in the service. This morning we've got obviously the baptism happening, but we've got a couple of other things. It's very youth-orientated this morning in that we've got Moving Up Sunday for people who are regular members of Junior Church here. They're going to be, some of them are moving up into different age groups, and we're going to mark that this morning. Also, you will know that a number of our young folk went to Soul Survivor. And when I say a number of young folk, I include myself in that. (laughs) Um, And they're going to be sharing something of their experience this morning. So we look forward to that as well. And if you really enjoy all of this and think, well, that's great. I'd like to be more part of everything that's happening with the youth. There is an opportunity this evening to come along to the youth service, which is at 7 o'clock here. And it's for the young and for the young at heart. So that's uh, this evening at 7 o'clock. I hope you can remember some of those things, uh, because there's quite a lot this morning. We come to worship God, and I'm going to start um, this morning by reading a story that I'm sure will be well known to many of you, a story that's particularly popular with young people, a story I like, Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus went on into Jericho and was passing through. There was a chief tax collector there named Zacchaeus, who was rich. 
He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was a little man and could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus, who was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hurry down, Zacchaeus, because I must stay in your house today. Zacchaeus hurried down and welcomed him with great joy. All the people who saw it started grumbling. This man has gone as a guest to the home of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Listen, sir, I will give half my belongings to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I will pay him back four times as much. Jesus said to him, Salvation has come to this house today, for this man also is a descendant of Abraham. Zacchaeus made the effort to come before Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus so much that he ran, that he climbed a tree to get a glimpse of who Jesus was. How much effort as we come into worship today, how much are we focusing our minds on trying to see Jesus and who he is and all that he's done? For that's what we're here to do, to see the glory of God. And as we meet here today, we pray that God will indeed reveal himself to us that we will see him, his presence, and his glory amongst us today. We're going to sing and praise God together. And um, we're going to start by singing Almighty God. Let's stand together and sing.
Father God, as we gather here this morning, we sing out in praise to you how great you are. For you are the God who has created all, everything in this world. And yet you are the God who cares for us individually, who loves us as we are. And we celebrate this truth this morning, however we feel, whether we come full of joy, whether we come in the depths of despair. The truth is unchanging, the truth is still the same, that you are God, that you love us, and that you care for us. How great thou art, how great thou art. And we celebrate and we praise you this morning for these truths. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. One of the things that we have this morning is moving up Sunday, and we're going to mark that now. We have a number of people moving up, and we have some presentations. So, Elizabeth, if you'd like to come forward, please, to help with that. Hello. It's quite loud, isn't it? Um, We've got an awful lot of children moving up today. Um, And some of the very lucky ones are the people who used to be pathfinders have now become what we call ex-pathfinders. We're very good with names in this church. Um, We also call them youth. And they're very, very lucky because they now get to start to take part in a few more things within the church, such as the washing up rotor. Yay! There, every third Sunday, you'll see the youth in the kitchen doing the washing up, which is great. So there are six people who used to be in Pathfinders who are now moving up. So if you'd like to step up, and I think I need to put this down, Mark. I'm going to call the names out, but I can't pick things up and hold the microphone. David. David Tisdall. There you go. That's for, that's for you. Thank you. Yeah, David, stay up here. And Gemma, Gemma Wheeler. There you go. Nathan, Nathan John. There you go. Joe Livington. Okay, Joe. <laughs> Becky. Becky Wagner. There you go. And Rachel Sadler. There you go. couple of people who are moving up into Pathfinders, so I think only one of them is here today. Um, that's Heather. You officially become a Pathfinder today. <laughs> Dougie, are you here? Dougie, come here. I didn't see you. I'm sorry, mate. Okay, Dougie. 
glad I got my heels on. It's quite a lot of them, aren't there? And then we've got two people moving up into the rather cryptically called Middle East group. Um, we've got Martha. There we go. And we've got Maddie. Is she here? Maddie. She's <laughs> Maddie's got a long way to go. Yeah. Can I just have a little quick word about the... Oh, we've got a friend in the church. Um, a little bit quick word about these. These are Bibles that we present to the Pathfinders, and they're, hopefully they bring them every week. And they're, they're special youth Bibles with lots of sort of research and background information and sort of translating a little bit so they can actually understand it. And I think they're very helpful. So hopefully you two will find those useful. So Maddie made it excellent. And then we've got one more very special lady called Anna, who may or may not wish to come out. Are you going to come out front, Anna? Now, Anna, for the past couple of years, has been thinking about going up to the Little East group. And now she is officially going to go up to the Little East group. And hopefully all of you will help her leave the crash, leave the crash behind, <laughs> and go up to the Little East. So as a mark of that, we've got you a special little book. Okay, so give her all a big round of applause. Fantastic. Um, We're just going to pray for uh, all of our young people now. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, all our young people in the church. Thank you for those that we have uh, here before us now who've been coming here faithfully for many, many months, many years. We pray and uh, pray that they will use the gifts that they've been given and it will help them in their relationship with you those who are not moving up and continuing in their groups, we pray for them as well, that they will continue to enjoy coming along and be blessed by all that happens here. And Lord, we pray also for all the people who who teach and help in these groups. Thank you for them and please, we pray, keep inspiring them and helping them to communicate your gospel. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So thank you all for coming up, and uh, let's give them one more round of applause. Just one more little announcement to the leaders. I always seem to make this announcement on this Sunday in September. The rotors have changed ever so slightly, and as usual, the most up-to-date version is in the vestibule. And if you need to make changes, can you make sure you make them on the vestibule copies so that we all know what's happened? Thank you very much. We're, we're now going to come into a section where we're going to hear some of the things and share some of the things that happened at Soul Survivor. If you'd not noticed this morning, actually, most of the musicians have been at Soul Survivor. I think only one hasn't, and I'm sure he would have liked to have been there if he could have been. Uh, so they've been sharing some of the music this morning. I think probably out of the, the songs we're singing, there's only one that wasn't sung there, but everything else was sung at Soul Survivor, I think. So you'll get a flavour of the sort of things that happened this morning. We're going to sing a couple more songs now, and then some of the young people are going to come and share with us a little bit about what happened uh, at Soul Survivor. But we're going to start with a new song, I think it is, as the musicians come up, which um, this is the only one that wasn't actually sung there, but I know it's been sung at some events that they've been to, and they really wanted to teach it to us. And... um, I believe it may be a little... Well, it's in parts, isn't it? It's in parts. It's very complicated, but it really is. It's just like um, um, a, men's, a men's thing of 
first part and then the women kind of echoed prettily. Um, but for the, <laughs> the second part, um, the guys say, just listen to Nick, what Nick's saying, and the girls say what we're saying. If you're really confused, just follow the girls' part, which is probably the easiest part, but it's not complicated at all. So if you'd like to sit down. <laughs>
play. We're going to take up our offering and then uh, as we're doing that, we're giving you a moment to find it and then we're going to sing the first verse and chorus again. If you're a visitor here with us today, please don't worry about passing the plate by. This is particularly a collection for those who are regular members with us. God, we thank you that you give us so many good things. As we give this, our money to you, it's a token of our response given to you. And we pray that we will use it wisely to show more good things that you do to help you to be part of your kingdom building. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we've got uh, one or two people who are going to come and share some stuff about Soul Survivor. And uh, I think the first two uh, know who they are because they're making faces that suggest they know it's their time. Uh, David and Joe, welcome to both of you. And um, this was your first time for both of you at Soul Survivor, wasn't it? So perhaps between you, you could just share a little bit about what happened day to day. What sort of things did, did people get up to? So whoever's going to speak first can hold the microphone. Well, every morning get up and either go to a very early seminar or go to the big tent thing. This is after you've got up and if it's soaking wet, dried off any of your clothes that you need to wear. Then during the day, various seminars are on or we go around t- together and meet up and see what's been going on. 
And then later on at night, there's the big tent again, which everyone goes to. And it's huge, and everyone's singing, and it's just amazing. And then in the evening, there's loads of activities going on, with places to eat, and Mr. Boogie's, where you can dance on down to 90s music and stuff like that. <laughs> and then the evenings just went on quite late. And then just go back, meet up, and then we usually had like a sing with the guitar in the evening. <laughs> Once we did get told to um, go to bed because we were keeping people awake, but otherwise we were quite good. <laughs> yeah, mo most of the time you were fairly good, apart from that time where you threw water on me, I have to say. David, David uh, no, Joe said something about some of the seminars there. Did you go to any, any seminars? Well, we went to one of them, but... Which was... Um, can, you, can you remember? That's very unfair. I've asked you probably something yeah. that you can't um, remember. Yeah, there was the Soul Man and Soul Sister, which right. were for men. <laughs> yeah. And that was cool, funny. That's that that good. Excellent. So um, having been there and had a little bit of time to come back now, what, what were the things that you look back on most? Did anything particularly special happen to drive of you? Well, every, um, at the big seminars at, in the evening, pe people would be called up to... Um, give their life to Christ, and me and Joe did on applications. Yeah, so you both went up, and that you know that was a really big thing because you can imagine a tent, ten thousand people in it, and they give a call to go forward and say, if you want to give your life to Christ, go forward now, come forward, and everyone else is sitting down, and you have to stand up, and with ten thousand people there, walk forward, and both um, both Joe and David did that, and that was uh, absolutely fantastic, and. Uh, yeah, has it, and has that, Joe, do you want to say anything more around that, or is that... We weren't the only ones who went up. Yeah, 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 they weren't the only ones that went up, but either, either within um, our church group that went, or, or within the whole of the 10,000 people, but um, you know, as they said there, it didn't matter whether it was one person, a hundred, or a thousand, one person made it all worthwhile, and so that was, that was great, and that was very much how we felt as, as we went, and uh, it was absolutely fantastic to see what God was doing. So thank you two very much for coming <coughs> and sharing, and um, as Joe says there... As Joe said, they weren't the only ones that came up, and um, Nick, you did as well, so would you like to share um, something? Yeah, I've just realised that I probably should have thought about what I was going to say before five <laughs> seconds ago. But I was, I, I think well, what I got out of Soul Survivor is that it's just it's a really good opportunity to meet with God because there's, you, you're just surrounded by other Christians and it is a bit of a bubble. And obviously when, when you need God the most is when you're out of that situation. But I think for people who are perhaps sort of on the edge a bit as I, uh, as I was... Um, I forgive the analogy because I think everyone I know has heard it, but um, I heard someone say that it's a bit like standing on the top of a high diving board and, you know, you, you have no choice. You've got to jump. You can't just touch your foot in the water. And it's, it's, if you're uh, standing on a diving board and there's an empty pool of water and if God tells you to jump off and he says, jump and I'll fill that, you can't sort of, oh, no, it's not filled yet. I thought I was going to jump in there and it wasn't full. But uh, you've really got to jump, and it's not until you hit the bottom that, that the pool's actually going to end up uh, filled with water. So I, I just, you know, I found it a really good opportunity to get a real sort of shove uh, into actually doing it. And 
I'm not going to say it was easy going up in, in front of so many people. And uh, I think that's just what God was telling me to do, though. And that I really needed to stand up and say, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I won't just sort of sissy around it anymore. So. Thank you very much indeed. For those of you who are being baptised, Hannah and Philip, later on, you will be relieved to know there is water in there. (laughs) And you don't have to jump off either. You can go in much more gently than that. Hannah, because one of the things, it wasn't just about making a commitment necessarily for your first time in your life. Sometimes there were practical responses, responses that people could make. And Hannah, could you come and um, tell us? I, I know one of the things, Brother Andrew was there this year, and a number of you will know of him through his work with Open Doors. And um, he spoke, and he went to that seminar. And do you want to just say a little bit about um, I was in the main meeting listening to Brother Andrew and he gave an absolutely amazing talk on, on his work and what he'd done and I found it really inspiring and I thought instead of just sitting there and listening and getting upset about it and praying about it, I was actually going to do something. So I went to the Soul Survivor Stands and found some, work, some things on going out and doing missionary work. So on Saturday I'm going out to Uganda for two weeks um, I'm spending the first week in hospital, because I do medicine, I'm going to go and do some of my experience there and try and help out a bit. And then the second week we're building a school and doing some lessons and and teaching. And that's absolutely fantastic. Um, And that's the sort of response that people are making as they feel God's call on their lives. So it was great to be part of that. Now, there are, obviously you're going next Saturday for two weeks. I know that you've then got to go straight to university for your course, but will you come back and share with us something at some point in the future of what goes on there? That's fantastic. Now, there is some things that people can do as well before you go. And you obviously, Hannah goes this Saturday, so it's going to have to be a very quick response if, if you want to do something. But what can people do? Um, I was hoping, um, when I go out, I pay for the trip, and I mean, that's all fine. Um, but when I go out, if I can take money with me, I can take English money and I can donate it as I see fit so instead of just sending it to an anonymous charity or just giving it into a collection at church, if anybody felt like giving me money, I can actually go out and pay for children's operations up front and give it to the hospital, I can actually buy the books for the children, I can actually pay for their school clothes, so if anybody felt felt like giving me a donation and wanted to see me at the end, that would be great and I've also got about 10 to 15 kilograms extra on my Um, flight because it's missionary work so I can take out um, I could do a couple of skipping ropes, tennis balls A4 paper, pens they love pens and obviously they're quite light so if anybody's just old biros um, anything like that Um, if anybody has any bibles like youth bibles they've grown out of or if they've got a new bible and they want to give their old study bible um, then that would be wonderful and if people could um, leave that in the lower school room they can or you can give it to me knock on my door and drop stuff off and we'll make sure that 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 gets out there so if you would like to make a response and help with that and and know and then Hannah will be able to come back and perhaps give us show us some pictures maybe and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about what's happened out there so thank you very much and um, again isn't it fantastic to see the the work that God's been doing and the response that he's calling people to make we're going to think a little bit more about that now we're going to read from God's Word, and hopefully I can find my Bible. It's from Luke chapter 18. Reading from verse 18, if you're following. A story about a rich man. 
A Jewish leader asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. Do not steal. Do not accuse anyone falsely. Respect your father and your mother. The man replied, Ever since I was young, I have obeyed all these commandments. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, There is still one more thing you need to do. Sell all you have and give the money to the poor and you will have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad because he was very rich. Jesus saw that he was sad and said, How hard it is for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. It is much harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The people who heard him asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus answered, What is impossible for man is possible for God. Thanks be to God for his word to us. There is a story about a woman who went into a bank in London and she went in there and asked for a loan of £5,000 and uh, it wasn't her branch and the manager of the branch said to her, well, if we're going to lend you that sort of money, you need something to give us security so that if you just disappear and go off with our money, we've got something in return for that. And uh, the woman thought for a moment and said, well, I'm, uh, I'm going abroad. What about my car? It's a Ferrari. And um, so she handed the keys of the Ferrari over to the bank manager. Uh, and they agreed because the Ferrari was worth about £200,000. And the bank loan that she was asking for was £5,000. They um, said that would be fine. And, and actually behind her back, they laughed at her a little bit that she would actually leave a £200,000 car to get a £5,000 loan. Anyway, they went and parked the car in, in the uh, parking spaces under the bank. A couple of weeks later, the lady came back again and gave the £5,000 back, repaid the loan with the £15.40 interest that went with it. And the bank manager was a little bit confused. He said to her, how come, we, we did some checking on you while you were away and we've discovered that you're a millionaireess. Why on earth did you want to borrow £5,000 from us? She said, well, look, I borrowed £5,000, paid £15.40 in interest, and you've looked after my car for two weeks while I'm away on a foreign holiday. <laughs> Where else could I leave my car safely in London for £15 for two weeks? <laughs> Sometimes people have ulterior motives for doing things. What never ceases to amaze me as I read the Bible is the way that Jesus, when he has different people who come to him, always sees through the ulterior motives, always knows the way that they've come to him and is able to just say the things that they need to hear most of all. Jesus is never fooled. And today we've heard two stories. One of a rich man, one as I started with Zacchaeus. I just want to spend a few minutes this morning thinking about those stories and the differences that happen through those stories that we see. And there are three things that I want to say this morning. The first thing is this, and I've already alluded to it. Jesus knows us perfectly. 
and Jesus knows what we need. The second thing is this. We can do nothing to put ourselves right with God to earn our salvation. It's through the work of Jesus Christ. And the third thing I want to say is this. It requires a response from us. The offer is there and it requires a response. So first of all, Jesus knows exactly who we are and he always has time for us. You know, as you read the Gospels, just read it sometimes from the light of seeing how often Jesus was interrupted in the business that he was going about. You know, Jesus would be walking along and suddenly he would see somebody and he would change everything that he was going to do because he had seen that person. Take Zacchaeus. There he was, up a tree. Now, I don't know what you would be like if you were walking along and you saw somebody up a tree looking at you, but I don't think I would stop and say, I'm coming to your house for tea. I think I would be more likely to walk on slightly more quickly. But Jesus has time for the person. When the wealthy young ruler comes to him and asks him a question, Jesus doesn't say, I haven't got time for you right now. He gives him his full attention there and then. Jesus always has his full attention for us. Jesus knows us perfectly and he knows us but never ignores us. Jesus is with us wherever we go. Jesus always longs to communicate with us. That's an essential part of the gospel message. Jesus knows you. Jesus loves you. Jesus knows me. Jesus loves me. And he wants to communicate with us. And he always has time for us. And he knows everything that's going on in our lives. The young ruler came to Jesus with a question. What must I do to inherit, to receive eternal life? What must I do? And um, Jesus says, as we go on some verses, the young man eventually goes away sad because he can't do what he's asked of him. And Jesus says how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the people who heard him say, who then can be saved? And Jesus says this, what is impossible for man is possible for God. You see, salvation, the work of God to bring us to a reconciled point with him, is a work that only God can do. We can do nothing of ourselves to earn that. You see, the problem that we have is that we are sinners. We do things wrong. We go away from God. We build up a barrier between us and him that stops us from hearing from him. And God longs for us to be able to communicate, to be in his presence. But sin stops us from that. What can we do to remove that barrier so that we can commune with the living God? What's impossible for man is possible for God, because we can't do it. It doesn't matter how much we try to lead better lives, if we try and do it in our own strength, we're always going to fail. We'll never really manage it. We will never remove the barrier that there is between us and God. But what is impossible for us is possible for God. And that's what God has done through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. 
And that's what we're here celebrating this morning, what Jesus has achieved. When we have the baptisms, as people go under the water, there's a symbolism that reminds us of what Jesus has done. First of all, we've got water here. And water, of course, washes us. And so we have this symbolism of saying that all our sins are being washed away. And, um, you know, as I cleaned it out yesterday, there certainly have been a lot of sins washed away in this pool. (laughs) We also have the symbolism of the flowers. Flowers are often put on graves to mark a death. Jesus, of course, died. And so we have this wonderful symbolism, as it's below the floor, of somebody dying with Christ. And then as they come up again, being raised in newness of life, dying with Christ, rising to the new life, where the old barriers have been removed, where people can enjoy the relationship with God that God longs for us to have. It's impossible for us to do that on our own, but it's possible for God. The same was true for Zacchaeus. He couldn't do things on his own. You know, I sometimes think Zacchaeus gets a very bad press. When we think of Zacchaeus, we think of a short little man who was mean. You know, that's, I guess that's where I come from, from my Sunday school upbringing. And um, I think when I mentioned it to Lucy, Lucy and Pete sang a, a, an Ishmael song to me, which, which does bear that out very much, uh, a, a song that talks about Zacchaeus being mean. But actually, I think if you go back and read what this is really about, some of the verb tense isn't quite as clear as it might appear in the English. And probably what was said at the time was this. You know, Zacchaeus is called down from the tree. And uh, Jesus says, I'm coming to your house for tea. Um, and all the people who saw it started grumbling because tax collectors were mean. They, 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 they were basically, they defrauded people. They got money out of them unfairly. And so what was, Zacchaeus was probably saying at that point was this. He was saying, listen, sir, I'm not as bad as they're actually making out. I give away half of my belongings to the poor. And if I discover I've cheated anyone, I give four times as much back. So he's already doing that. It's not meeting Jesus that suddenly changes him. That's what he's already doing. But what happens is, it doesn't matter how many good things he's doing, and he's doing a lot of good things there, he still has not received salvation because he's not received Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus says to him, salvation has come to this house today, because that's the day that he's met with Jesus. And that's when salvation comes, not through our own efforts, because we can be leading a really good life, we can be doing lots of good things, we can be giving our money away, we can be doing the things that means that we're nice to people, we're nice to our parents, we're nice to, we're nice to the animals, the dogs, whoever, you know, we're just nice people. We can be doing all of those things, but it's not good enough. It's only when we meet with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Saviour, that we are saved. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. That truth, that it's meeting with the risen Lord Jesus Christ that saves us. And it doesn't matter whether our lives have been really, really bad, or we've been really, really good. The same is true for all of us. It's meeting and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives, which is the moment in which we receive salvation. That's the message. That's the gospel message, that the God who loves us so much, who sent his only son into the world, knows us perfectly, has always got time for us, and saves us, not through our own efforts, but through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. 
There's just one more thing, though, that I need to say and we need to do, and that's the third point. We need to make a response. We need to make a response. Because we can hear those truths. We can hear those words. And while it leaves us unchanged, while we haven't invited Jesus into our lives, it doesn't help us at all. It's only when we actually make the response, when we invite Christ into our lives, that things are changed forever. Look at the young man, the rich young ruler. You know, he came to Jesus, I can't help but think. He wanted Jesus to say, you're a good chap, well done. I just imagine that as he's going there. You know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And immediately Jesus says to him, look, look to the commandments. What do the commandments tell you to do? And he says, do not commit adultery, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not accuse anyone falsely, respect your father and your mother. He says, I've done that ever since I was a young child. I haven't murdered anyone. I've not committed adultery. I'm not stealing. That's fine. You know, those are, those are good things. Not to have done. But, this is where Jesus, you know, as I said, Jesus knows everyone perfectly. He knows the weakness for the man. His external actions are okay. But his internal actions, his heart, has not responded to who God is, to who Jesus is. Because then Jesus says, well, okay, you've got one more thing to do for me. Will you give up everything that you have and go wherever I call you as your response to me? And suddenly, this is where it gets tough because he's really rich. He's got lots of things. And his security, his comfort, his prestige is in the money that he's got. And Jesus says, will you give all that up for me? Where's your heart in this? Are you going to change the way that you live for me? And that's where he struggles. He can't do it. He can't change his way of living at that point. It's just not in him. So what does he do? When the man heard this, he became very sad. Here he was, he wanted to know what he could do to inherit eternal life. And what does he do? He hears and he won't accept it. He goes away sad because the cost is too high. God calls us to make a response. And that response, and we've heard some fantastic responses this morning of, you know, of people going up in a tent and saying, look, actually I'm giving my life for Christ. And that's fantastic. And we've heard fantastic response of, you know, I'm going to go out to a foreign country. And that's brilliant. You know, but what God wants as well is he wants every day of our lives from this day onwards to change, to be given to him. That's his call on us. That's what he wants from us. That's what he wants us to do. Our lives need to be changed. We cannot go on living in the same way as we were before. God calls for a response from us. And that response is not a one-off response for one day. It's not a one-off response that means we baptise. It's not a one-off response that means we go out somewhere for two weeks. Great though all those things are, and I'm not running any of them down because they're a vital part of the Christian life. But what God wants most of all is day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, the whole of our lives spent responding to God and what he has said to us. And that's the challenge for us every day, in every way, to seek to respond the message of God. And I just want to finish with one illustration. And 
I like it. I just love this story. It's, um, in some ways, it's a very sad story, but it, it makes me smile as well. But there's also something very challenging about it. It's a story that took place at the beginning of the 20th century in, uh, in America. And uh, out there, one of the, the parts of America we're in is where the industry was very much about logging. And I don't know if any of you know what happens with logging, but what happened at that time was there'd be one group of people who would chop down the trees and they would push them into a river and when they were in the river, they would just allow them to float downstream. And they would float downstream and then later on where the, where the mills were, they would pick them out and do whatever they were going to do with the, with the wood. Now, what you had to do is you had to make sure there wasn't a lot of supervision on these logs. So what they would do is they would imprint a stamp on the logs so that you would know who it belonged to. And when it got to the sawmill, they would then reimburse you for that. Now, there was a a minister who was there who one day saw members of his congregation pulling out some logs from the river. And what they did was they sawed off the end where the stamp was and they put their own stamp on there. And he was very concerned about that because obviously that's stealing. So the next Sunday he decided the message that he was going to preach was this, thou shalt not steal. And he preached it and after the service so many of the members of the congregation came up to him and said that was a wonderful sermon. Very challenging, thank you. And those people who had been pulling out the logs came up to him and said something similar. And he was really encouraged because he thought okay that's great, they will have changed now. But later on that week, he went down to the river again and he saw those same people pulling more logs out and cutting off the, the ends of the log and putting their own stamp on. He tried to work out what to do. The next Sunday, he preached exactly the same sermon again until the very final sentence. And he started by saying, "Thou shalt," or he nearly finished by saying, thou shalt not steal. And then he added one more sentence on to the end as well. He said, thou shalt not cut off the end of thy neighbour's log. (laughs) Shortly afterwards, he was run out of town because they wouldn't respond to that message. You see, it's very easy for us to come along week after week to church, to sit. But actually, that's only part of what we're supposed to be doing. It's great to come here and meet. That's fantastic. But what we need to be doing as well is we need to respond. We need to respond to what God is saying. We need to change our lives. It's not about what we do in here. It's about what we do when we go out through these doors as well. It's what we do between Monday and Saturday. That's what we need to be looking at. What is our response? Because Jesus calls us to respond to him. He calls us to respond. And as we come to the baptism now, that's just my question for all of us, for me, for you. How are we responding today to the gospel message, the fact that Jesus knows us and loves us so well, the fact that Jesus calls us and has done a work of salvation in our lives, how are we responding? You may be at the first point of never having given your life to Christ. Maybe that's the response you're called to today. It may be you gave your life to Christ many years ago, but you've never really allowed it to change how you live outside. The challenge this morning is for us to reflect on what Christ might be saying to us. How are we supposed to be living for him? What response is he calling from each of us today? What response is Christ calling for?
from you. And what's your answer? Are you going to respond? Are you going to be like Zacchaeus, whose life was changed completely? Or are you going to be like the rich man who went away sad because the cost was just too great? And just look at the different reactions. The one who said no went away sad. The one who was willing to give up everything had great joy. You know, as we give up and go where God calls, we will discover the great joy that he has for us. And I believe that wholeheartedly, that we discover joy when we give up, when we think we're giving up so much of what we thought was important, we discover how unimportant it is as we follow Christ. That's our call. That's our challenge. How are we going to respond today? Well, of course, we're going to come to the baptism where a couple of people are going to come forward and say, look, my response is to say I give myself completely to God. Wherever he may send me, whatever he calls me to do, I will go. But as we come to that, we're going to take a a little bit of time now. We're going to sing a couple of songs and just take that opportunity to reflect on what Jesus might be saying to us and calling us to respond to this morning. We're going to start by singing Faithful One and then Father God, I Wonder. And in the second of those, for those who are being baptised and anyone helping out, we're going to start getting the baptismal pool ready at that point.
baptisms now. Philip and Hannah are going to share with us just a little bit about why they've come to, to this point. And, um, so, so Philip, first of all, um, we actually did the baptismal course, I guess coming up for a year ago now, and uh, you didn't get baptised at that time. Do you want to say anything about, uh, yeah. about why? Um, yeah, I did the baptism course quite a while ago now, um, but I felt that uh, in previous course fibers I had glimpsed uh, God and what he's had done with other people, and I really felt uh, a real desire to experience what other people had. Um, and I'd come close, but I just I didn't feel it was really enough. Um, and at the same time, uh, same time, I'd had quite a lot of doubts. Um, maybe I shouldn't have done, but I'm only human. So uh, I had doubts, and uh, I didn't really feel that the time was quite right. So, uh, yeah, I just bided my time. Yeah. So uh, what's God done to make a difference, then, mm. so that you're here today? Yeah. Um, well, it all kind of kicked off uh, this Soul Survivor uh, with getting my results and all. Um, I'm sure ev- uh, everybody who was there will tell you I was fairly disappointed. Um, I didn't get what I needed to get to uh, my uh, university of choice, which was Kent. Um, being at Soul Survivor really boosted my faith. Um, there were thousands of people there, as uh, Joe and David have said. Um, and I really felt my faith was growing, and uh, I just longed for God to kind of speak to me and tell me what uh, he wanted me to do. Um, and in getting my results, I kind of, I was disappointed, but I gave it to God's hands and said, uh, it's up to you. Uh, but then the next uh, morning, I have a call from the university saying that I'd got a place uh, despite my results. So, uh, yes, a bit of a wake-up call. And, uh, so, yeah. and just knowing that God was actually, you'd given your future to God, and that was God's response to yeah. say, this yeah. is where I want you to be. And, and so what of the, what of the um, future now? What difference mm. will baptism make to you, do you think? Yeah, well, I decided to get baptised, firstly, because uh, I wanted to show the people that I believed um, that God really existed, and he did, uh, he did incredible things. Uh, and I just wanted to say that publicly. Um, and I just want to follow him. So. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And... I've done a nick and haven't thought about this till about five seconds ago. I left my bit of paper at home. Um, but the reason I'm getting baptised today is it's quite similar to Phil in the way that I've been a Christian all my life. And apart from um, some family difficulty when I was sort of nine till 13, where I was just so angry with God and really didn't have a relationship with him, I've always believed in God. And I suppose I could have got baptised four, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. But it wasn't really till this summer that I realized and accepted what God was saying to me, that I need to give up some of the things in my life that perhaps I shouldn't be doing or I shouldn't be looking towards and start doing some of the things that God wants me to do. And 
to begin to give and dedicate my life to God in the way that, that he's asking me to. And, and that's, I've really felt that in the last six months, and that's been at university with some of the, the support of the people there and also the support of this church, that, that I've really come to see like, God's plan for me and, and what he wants to do with my life. And, and my response to that is to turn around and say, here I am, I do what you want with my life. And that's what I want to do today.
possession of your faith. We baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
and being aware of the amazing grace of God, may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be with you and those that you love, this day and forever. Amen.